0: Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews throughout the 2018-2019 basketball season. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Taylor's on the road, so producer Brian will sit in as co-host today. On today's show, we will recap the start-to-conference play for the Shockers. We'll also get you ready for two big home matchups with UCF and Cincinnati. Our guest today is ESPN college basketball analyst Mark Adams. We'll get his thoughts on the Shockers and the AAC conference race. Big show coming up right after this. The Talk Angry podcast is brought to you by Forge Audio Productions. For all your audio and music production needs, Forge Audio is ready to deliver the highest quality production that serves the artist. To receive a free consultation or quote from Brian, visit www.forgeaudioprod.com.
1: That's www.forgeaudioprod.com. Or follow the studio on Facebook or Instagram. And now back to the show.
0: Welcome back to Doc Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. The Shockers were competitive in each of their first three conference games, but have started the season 0-3. Their four-game losing streak is the longest losing streak since January of 2009, and they are 0-4 in true road games this season. With all that said, did have the game last night against Houston, had a five point lead at halftime, but ended up losing 79 to 70. Marcus McDuffie led all scores with 22 points, but outside of that, Shocker struggled particularly offensively in the second half. Houston seemed to find their way, shot 56% from the field in the second half. Brian, when you look at this game, and really it's more of a microcosm of the entire season, there were good stretches, there were stretches where, you know, didn't look so good, and overall, while the team is competitive, still need to put together 40 complete minutes of basketball.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that when you look at that game, you definitely saw that five, six-minute stretch where... Houston just got themselves at, out in transition. They really used their defense to fuel their offense, and that may be something that we haven't really seen from Wichita State yet. They've they've improved on the defensive end. I think they've got a lot better uh, as the season has worn on, particularly in half-court sets, but they haven't figured out how to use their defense to fuel their offense in the same way that their opponents kind of can, can lean on that. So Houston definitely did that for a stretch. They'd get turnovers, get those transition threes, Armani Brooks would just go bananas and, and had three there in the second half. And I think that's really where the game kind of pivoted. You know, Wichita State would, would punch back and, and try and stay in it. But ultimately, uh, when you look at it, that that's all it really takes is that little stretch.
0: Fifteen turnovers for the Shockers. Houston turned that into 12 points. They were plus 10 in fast break points. So it did seem uh, they just had a little more depth, a little more athletes were able to get out and run and get some of those easy buckets on the other end.
2: Yeah, and and I think that that's going to be the key to this team is really how many turnovers they have. It seems like the mark, the the over-under mark for turnovers seems to be around 12 or 13, somewhere around there. If they can keep it under that, they're going to be in a good shape to win the game. But if those turnovers go beyond that point, it's going to be really hard for them to avoid uh, the mistakes and avoid getting all those points scored on them in transition. Continued to struggle
0: for th- from three, only shot thirty seven percent for the game, and were four of twelve in the second half. McDuffie, you know, we we pointed out was able to take care of business. He was four of seven from the field, but but not a whole lot else, and and particularly Samaje with some of these three pointers, I you know. It just seems like that's part of his game, but maybe we need to work that out of there.
2: Yeah, I want to give I want to give Marcus a lot of credit, particularly in this Houston game. He really seemed to play within himself. He didn't take a lot of really too difficult of jumpers. I know he took a couple of those step back kind, uh, but he also got fouled on one of them that I, that I can recall. But he was certainly more efficient. Four of seven from three is a good number for him. He wasn't uh, driving it into 10 people, you know, a bunch during the game. And so I thought that he played a little more within himself where I think that that Samaje can improve is really focusing on his catch and shoot opportunities and his driving opportunities. It seems like when he gets into this little I'm going to try and fake you out and do a step back three pointer that seems to be the situations that he gets himself into trouble and that may be more indicative of the team not really having a, a player that can create shots McDuffie's a catch and shoot type or a straight line driver type or, or clean up around the rim with offensive rebounds Samaje seems to be a catch and shooter if he gets out in transition can attack the rim uh, but you don't really have a, a player that when the shot clock is running down you feel comfortable with them being able to create a high percentage look for themselves or for someone else
0: in 2009, I mentioned it's the longest losing streak since January of 2009. In 2009, the Shockers started NBC play 0-5, and 5, but they were able to rebound and, and make some uh, improvements that year that led into really this long run that we've been on since that time period. Houston has the nation's longest home court winning streak currently. Corey Davis Jr. for Houston puts up 20 points. They had lost earlier in the week at Temple, so you had to know coming in this game they were going to be you know laser focused on getting back on track
2: yeah if they hadn't lost temple previously it had all the makings of a trap game you know somebody that you could overlook uh coming into a home game but certainly once that once they lost at temple you knew that they were going to be focused and going down five points at halftime i mean they really didn't look all that good the defense wichita state was in was very good they kept houston out of transition and, and that was the big thing is like they really weren't able to get out and run very often uh, and Wichita State forced them to play against a half-court defense, and Houston struggled against it. Kind of a
0: nightmare scenario for the Shockers now. They have two tough games coming up at home this week in UCF and Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati has not looked like the team they were last year, but still uh, a 3-1 and one in conference right now. Uh, they play at South Florida and at UConn after that. So, you know, could be looking at an 0-5, 0-7 start uh, to conference play here. Certainly that Temple loss in overtime, at home, really, in in my opinion, was kind of the make it or break here early in conference play. You don't want to put so much pressure on one game. But the fact that they did play well, they built that lead, you're up 13 and a half, you're up 11 with three minutes to go. and, And once that loss hit, you just hope this young team doesn't get in a tailspin here because you know, like we've talked about, there's good things that have happened in every single game, and they're competitive games, so it's not like the OU loss where, you know, they were just kind of blown off the court. These are competitive games, and there's moments, you know, McDuffie has the four-point play last mm-hmm. night, and they go up by one late in the, or kind of midway through the second half there, so there, there are good points here, and you just keep, hope that they keep their head up and, and keep that confidence, because you do see the
2: the future what could be there. Absolutely. I think the, the big thing is to make sure you focus on, on the things that you're doing right. And just try and lengthen those those time periods. A part of it, obviously, I think, has to be health. Uh, you know, Jaime's been hobbled with his foot. I think getting him for more minutes, obviously, as we've pointed out on this podcast numerous times, teams just much better with him in the game. But we've seen a lot of growth in the last couple games, just from Isaiah Porbear Chandler uh, being more of an offensive threat, having a higher energy level on the offensive and defensive end, being more of an impact player. Uh, Udeze has has been injured, so with the now he's got a shoulder shoulder. problem that he's working through. So you really just, you you want these young guys to get healthy, uh, to be able to get some more minutes. And somebody that I think we're starting to see the glimpses of that health has been Dexter Dennis. We haven't talked about him yet, but he's an effective three-point shooter. He can athletically penetrate to the rim and get around guys, and he's just got good size and physicality to him. He's probably one of the best, if not the best, defender right now on this team as a freshman. So he's certainly somebody that I can see this team building around for the future. Oh, and 4 in true road games. I think you just have to uh, put that on the inexperience. These
0: guys have to learn how to go on the road and win. They have to learn how to go into hostile environments. And let's mind you, it's not like they've been going into you know any old barn. They've hmm. been at VCU, at Memphis, at Houston. These are all tough uh, road games or tough road environments that they've been in. Uh, Houston was sold out last night. They've really been supporting that team since they made the NCAA tournament and obviously have been ranked for a good portion of this year. So this week you get an opportunity to get back, have the home cooking. Uh, UCF, you know, isn't unbeatable by any means especially on their home court and like I said Cincinnati has shown some signs of weakness this year here as well so
2: I I would certainly agree with that and the big benefit you got UCF and Cincinnati this week the big advantage to those games aside from being at home is both of those teams are very defensive minded they're not going to get into running gun situations with you they're going to try and control the ball they're going to try and control the clock and be effective scoring teams. But they're not certainly going to do what Houston did, which is as soon as they get the ball, run up the floor, try and find the first open three-pointer and shoot it. That's where Wichita State can really struggle mentally is getting into the situation where they're in an up-and-down game. Against UCF, Cincinnati, that won't necessarily be the case. It should be a lower-scoring game, and I think the lower scoring it is, the better a chance Wichita State has to pull out the victory.
0: By the time this week is over, I think you could say, really, Wichita State will have played the top four, or even if you want to throw Memphis in there, the top five teams in the conference. Uh, you know, have some video now, have some learning experiences. But the season's not lost. There's still opportunity to grow, opportunity to get on a run. And, and the biggest thing they need to do is just get that first win, and then the, hopefully things will continue to, to kind of roll downhill from there. So
2: Absolutely. and We've talked a lot about how difficult this early schedule is on Wichita State. And and that's what we're we're seeing right now is it's just a tough one, Wichita State is competitive. Uh, they they're in a place where they belong. Uh, they're in the American, a tough basketball. We asked conference. for this. Remember, we, everyone, asked, for we this. asked for this. We wanted this. And and I'll tell you that Temple loss,
0: even though it hurt and it was an overtime, it's certainly a lot better than watching them beat Drake by 30.
2: So absolutely. And, and that's what we're going to get. We're we've got a really tough early slate should ease up considerably on the back end with with more winnable games and more home opportunities. Uh, in winnable games but you know it's it's this stretch that they just got to endure and start figuring out ways to, to piece it together. Let's take a break when we come back we'll talk to
0: ESPN college basketball analyst Mark Adams. We'll get his thoughts on this early conference slate for the Shockers as well as the AAC as a whole. talk angry with Coon and Eldridge we're joined now by a voice that should be very familiar to Shocker fans in ESPN college basketball analyst Mark Adams Mark how are you today
1: great guys good to visit with you always willing to talk a little American basketball and the Wichita State Shockers
0: we've done this podcast for six seasons and you have actually been one of the few guests who've come on every single year so just right off the top let me say we appreciate your loyalty
1: Man, I feel like Steve Martin on Saturday Night Live.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get in, and and we'll start with Wichita State, an 0-3 start to conference play. Certainly not what Coach Marshall was looking for. They've been competitive in all three games. You were on the call for the home game here in Wichita, the overtime loss to Temple. Um, You know, had a halftime lead against Houston last night, but weren't quite able to get it done. So starting off here, two-point question. Do you see improvement in these games, even though the the final result isn't necessarily what the team is looking for? And then also, what do you think they need to do to maybe get back to their winning
1: ways? Well, first of all, I watched the game yesterday at Houston, and I do see growth with Wichita State. I was really impressed with how hard the team competed, the consistency uh, defensively and offensively, although There are gaps. There's no question about that. And I watched that take place and, and Houston was able to take advantage of those situations. But overall I have seen improvement and specifically a guy like Isaiah poor Chandler, you know, has really come along. I watched him against Memphis when I was preparing for the game against temple at the roundhouse. And, you know, he he turned to his left hand and, and made a shot in the low block. He banged a three ball he played with some confidence there and then i i watched him against temple and then again against houston run the floor set screens do some things and i've seen growth there i've seen i've seen improvement dexter dennis though if you guys you know i think you were both at the game so you probably didn't hear my call but uh, dexter dennis is the guy that, that has really caught my eye uh, of a guy that has a, just a huge upside you know every game i see him do things. Again, freshmen will tease you. They'll do a few things here and there, and then they'll make mistakes. And I called that out constantly on the air when I did the game against Temple. You know, how it would be a good play on one end and then a bad play on the other end. But I do see improvement defensively. I do see a little better offensive execution. But moving forward, let's be honest. I mean, uh, the fan base in Wichita, who I've, I've grown to really appreciate, you know, is a little bit spoiled. And, and, and there's some folks that expect you know, the same results year in and year out, whereas this year is really a recycle year for, for Wichita State. And they're not as good. They're, they're certainly not as good at the point guard position. And I think they've got some guys that are playing hard, but they're they're, they're not Fred VanVleet. It's just that simple. They're not Landry Shamit. It's just that simple. And so it's going to take another recruiting cycle or two to get Wichita State in the top one, two, three position in the American. But But I do see growth. I see maturity. I see improvement, but frankly, it's going to take time and it's going to take a recruiting class or two to get back to where Greg Marshall wants that program to be.
0: You brought up the gaps that you've seen in the Shockers playing. It seems like there's a five or a 10 minute gap in every single game that they've had this year where, you know, all of a sudden the, the ball just can't go in the basket. So, is, is do you relate that just to inexperience or, or what overall do they need to do to play better team basketball?
1: Well, I, I really think it's talent level. Uh, I, I like Jamie Echenique. I think that he's, he's done a tremendous job this season. Of course, he's playing probably on one foot about half the time, and you can only get 15 to 20 minutes out of him a game. And typically, when he goes out is when the team doesn't play as well. And, you know, it's a situation where you got uh, Samajay Haynes-Jones, who's done a lot of good things this year, uh, but he's been having to play point guard, off guard. He's been expected to, to be a scorer. You know, Marcus McDuffie is a guy that certainly can score, but he's not necessarily a guy that's gonna create his own shot. More likely, you know, he's a guy that can feed off other guys that, that make plays, and, and that's not necessarily available to him right now. You know, a guy like Eric Stevenson, I think he has some upside. He's he's got good size for a guard. I think he's better skilled than what he's shown so far. I think he suffers from a little bit of hero syndrome, and a lot of freshmen do that. They come out of high school, they've made a lot of big plays. And not to say that he's selfish or anything like that. He wants to win. And so there's times when he forces this thing. I've seen Wichita State, when they get down in a game by five or eight points, and they want to have a five or eight point play. That's not how this thing works. It's possession by possession. So there's some maturity involved there. And then there's also some, some maturation of talent level and also the need to continue to bring in guys in like Dexter Dennis, who could be a really good player, like Jamie Echenique, who is a good player, although hobbled by injury right now. You know, those are the kind of guys that I look to moving to the future for Wichita State. And, and that's the solution. Continue to, to develop what you have and recruit better. It's really that simple.
0: This week has two tough home matchups for the Shockers with UCF and Cincinnati. Who are some players on both of those respective squads that the fans should keep an eye out for?
1: Man, UCF, good luck with that. Holy cow. B.J. Taylor can really score. He's a strong guard. He's been through all the wars. Uh, He's a really, really good player. Maybe the player of the year uh, in the conference, possibly as a preseason player of the year anyway. And then Aubrey Dawkins, Johnny's son, who's got length, can shoot the ball, transfer from Michigan, highly skilled offensively. This team is just downright stingy defensively with Taco Fall. Uh, He's one of the top five shot blockers in the country. He's seven foot six inches tall. He's got an eight foot four inch wingspan. Uh, He dunks everything, shoots about 80% for the year. And, And they've got other guys that are certainly serviceable around those three guys. So, Uh, That is a very gifted basketball team. Uh, Cincinnati is vulnerable. Uh, You know, what you saw last year with Gary Clark and Jacob Evans, those guys aren't there. You know, Evans was, was, um, was drafted in the first round by the Warriors, and Gary Clark now is playing for the Houston Rockets. Uh, Jaron Cumberland is a guy to keep your eye on. The roundhouse fans are going to love him. He's physically tough. He's willing to take and make big shots. He's a focal point. Kane Broom has really come on. Kane Broom delivered the overtime win at Tulsa for Cincinnati. And then, you know, they beat, they beat uh, UConn in overtime yesterday as well. You know, those would be two guys to really keep your eye on inside. this year. Brooks is a runner, jumper, shot blocker, and then uh, Trayvon Scott is also a guy that I think you need to keep your keep your eye on. He's he's a guy like Gary Clark, and he's got some size, he's got some length. It's a it's he's a really good player. Cincinnati is good, but they're not uber good like they were a year ago. They still guard very well, uh, but they're not as gifted. Offensively, as they were a year ago, and sometimes they go into scoring droughts. That's going to be a rock fight. You know, that's going to be a knockdown, out fight in the roundhouse for sure.
0: Our guest is Mark Adams, who covers the American Conference for ESPN. Who do you have winning the conference this year?
1: Well, you know, the preseason was UCF, and I haven't seen anything to, to tell me that that's not going to happen. However, going into the year, I picked Houston, uh, and everybody said you're crazy. They lose Rob Gray. They lose. They lose, uh, you know, some, some scoring up front with Devin Davis. And I just really felt like with Fabian White returning, with uh, Corey Davis Jr. returning, with, with Galen Robinson Jr. returning, with Armani Brooks. And then and then you add DeJon Giroux to that mix, who so was the transfer from UMass. I did one of his first games as a freshman at UMass when they actually beat Temple in Amherst a couple of years ago. And then you add to that also Nate Hinton. That's why Houston... I think has a higher ceiling that we haven't seen yet because they've got freshmen like that and sophomores like that, underclassmen, that play behind arguably the three best guards in the conference who play together on one team. And and so that team has a a huge upside. And then you got Breon Brady inside who's a big strong guy. Made some big shots against Temple at Temple and that loss in Philadelphia was a controversial loss, but it was a loss nonetheless. You know, they got some size with Bryson Gresham, also a young guy that, that can play inside. I really like Houston. I liked them from the beginning. I know that, that most you know pundits like myself said UCF because of Aubrey Dawkins and Taco Fall and B.J. Taylor. But I've really felt like Houston, that this is a perfect team for Calvin Sampson. And so far it has been. They were one of the three undefeated going in. to to last week. And of course I called the game when they lost in Philadelphia at Temple, but, but uh, this team is built for Kelvin Sampson. I coached against Kelvin many, many years ago. I was on his staff at Washington state. So I know him well, and this team is, is built absolutely for Kelvin Sampson to coach them to a high level.
0: Mark is a great follow on Twitter at Enthusiasms where he puts out great statistics before the games for his covering and also the AAC as a whole. But I want to talk about this new net ranking that the NCAA has instituted. You had a lot of analysis on Twitter this week. And for the folks who maybe don't follow your page, just give us a little tidbit on what you think about the net ranking and, and I guess if it's an overall improvement over the RPI.
1: Well, listen, I don't know if the net is an improvement or the RPI was the standard. I honestly don't know. But I do know this. The net favors the top seven to top ten budget conferences in the country. And the reason for that, I believe, is because of the volume of home games that those teams play. I think it skews not only the home game percentage, winning percentage in favor of those conferences, but they built in another algorithm into the net that was not in the RPI. The RPI is what's called a results-based algorithm. Uh, And so it's a tool that just evaluates only wins and losses, and then everybody else wins and losses. But with the net, uh, it's similar, but it also has some predictive algorithms built in that revolve around offensive and defensive efficiencies and not to get too, too much in the weeds, but here's what happens. When, when you can play six, seven, eight home games, nine home games during the non-conference season, you're not only going to get credit for the victory at home, but you're also going to get the credit for better offensive efficiency and better defensive efficiency. Now, the reason I say that I went back, you guys know I've been a Missouri Valley fan for for a lot of years. And so I went back and evaluated over the last year and a half, so all of last season and the non-conference for this season, I evaluated, do Missouri Valley Conference schools shoot the ball better at home? The answer is yes, by 3.5%. And then what surprised me was, do they defend better at home? And the answer is an emphatic yes. They hold their opponents to five percentage points less at home than they do on the road. It's a big number. And so when you play that volume of games at home, when you're playing 60 to 65% of your non conference games at home, so you're getting credit for the win and then you're getting credit for the better offensive and defensive efficiency numbers. So the bottom line is the top spending leagues who buy home games are getting a benefit from the net. All 10 of them have a better net average per conference than they did, than they would for the exact same games in the RPI. And so in that way, the net favors the teams who are buying more home games in non-conference. There's no question in my mind about that, based upon the sample size of all the games in the non-conference season that I've reviewed over the last several weeks.
0: Last question for you. I know you're a big fan of Doodah Diner here in Wichita. They're just opening a <laughs> second location yeah. out on the east side. So my question for you is, what is Mark Adams' go-to order at Duda Diner?
1: You know, I said now a lot of people don't know this, and they're going to think I'm I'm weird about this. But but I don't really care. I do it for my own health purposes. I'm vegetarian. Okay, so so I don't get all this stuff. A lot of people get there, you know, and I know it's really good because people tell me how good it is. You know, I'm a real simple guy. I get blueberry pancakes. Now I I like the monkey brains too. By the way which, you know, the sugar thing, I haven't given up sugar, guys. So I've gone down that route, you know, and I haven't given, even though I'm a vegetarian, I might throw a little butter on there every once in a while too. So I just love the people. I've always loved it there. You know, I always kid around on the air that it's the only restaurant in America that has my picture hanging on the wall, you know, so and I just love Timree and Patrick and, and, you know, they had a dream to, to, to really build and, and develop a, a, a really neighborhood diner that people could identify with and they've done it very, very well. So I'm, I'm happy for them. Uh, I love the people in Wichita. You know, it's my second home. I mean, it's not just the Dudah diner. I go to the, I go to public for dinner a lot, you know, down in old Wichita. I stay down there specifically cause I like the vibe down there. And my, my wife and son come with me and you know, it's just a really neat town with some really cool people And I always enjoyed my time in Wichita. It truly has become a second home for me.
0: Well, that's great to hear. I know fans really enjoyed when you were covering the Valley for all those years. And it's been nice to have you make the transition to the American along with Wichita State.
1: It's been fun for me, too. Believe me.
0: All right. As I mentioned, you can follow Mark on Twitter at Enthusiadams and also uh, get ready for his analysis on ESPN all college basketball season long. Mark, you have a great day. Thank you. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Our thanks again to Mark Adams for joining the show. Let's move now into our game preview, starting with Wednesday's late night matchup with the UCF Knights. 9 p.m. Central Time tip-off. Game will be broadcast on the CBS Sports Network. Let me first just talk about the start time of this game. So if you're a UCF fan in Florida, you're going to have to watch your team start at 10 p.m. at night.
2: What's that all about? It's 9 p.m. Eastern time zone.
0: Well, it's 9 p.m. Central, so it'd be 10 p.m. Oh, it's Eastern. 9 p.m. Oh. Yeah, 9 p.m. Yeah, okay. here in
2: Wichita. So, yeah,
0: be a, a late tip there at Charles Koch Arena. That the Knights late. are led by head coach Johnny Dawkins. Their current Ken Palm ranking is 39, and they've actually won seven consecutive games. They have wins over Temple, UConn, and ECU. They were picked to win the conference in the preseason, and so far here early in the conference slate at least show
2: like they're going to be an admirable opponent. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing the game because last year, as you recall, Taco Fall was injured. You know, so that's something that this team has really been battling in the previous years. They've had some pieces to really build around and have a really solid team and maybe make an NCAA tournament, but they've just been bit by the injury bug horrendously over the last several years. So this year, so far, you know, with with B.J. Taylor, Aubrey Dawkins, and and Taco Fall all being healthy. Uh, I think that they're a team that, that really could, you know, win the conference. They could make some noise in the NCAA tournament, but it's just a matter of that, that core staying healthy. You talked about this in the first segment, but they are more of a defense-focused bunch. Uh, they
0: score 74 points per game and allow 63. And you mentioned lead-in scoring currently by 6'2 senior guard B.J. Taylor, who averages 17.5 points per
2: game. Yeah, they're not going to get into a track meet with you. That's that's definitely for sure. Uh, but they're just going to be an efficient scoring team. They're they're going to take their time, make sure they get a good look because they, they just have that many options. So uh, they're going to make you do things that you're uncomfortable with. They're going to try and get you behind and make you feel like you need to speed the game up. And then just just milk that
0: clock. They shoot at forty eight percent from the field and thirty six percent from three, averaging eleven turnovers, six steals, and five blocks. A lot of that comes from the big guy in the middle, Taco Fall, which, as you point out, be our first opportunity to see him in live action in Wichita.
2: I mean, we saw him last year just in the warmups, and he just he's looked a like a I mean, he. He looked like a <laughs> mammoth. I was just like, just he's huge, and so it just be interesting to see him uh, out there on the floor with those o- uh, octopus arms just swinging around. I believe this is the
0: only time the Shockers will play UCF here uh, this year, just on their uh, home court. Moving on to Saturday, a nationally televised matchup with the Cincinnati Bearcats. The Bearcats are 14-3 and on the year and 3-1 and in the AAC. Game tips at 1 p.m. Central Time. They're led by head coach Mick Cronin, and their current Ken Palm ranking is 31. So actually, as far as Ken Palm's concerned, Cincinnati, a better team, then UCF. Now, they're a team that has shown some weaknesses. So even in their conference wins, those games have been close. And then they had the game at ECU where ECU gets the victory. So I I think the overall depth of the conference is a little better this year as uh, ECU and USF and some of these other teams are, are starting to move up the ladder. But Cincinnati, you know, there's a reason this is nationally televised. Focus look at this as kind of the new rivalry game.
2: Yeah, and I think that this one will be one that the crowd will definitely be up for. I'm a little puzzled by the the ECU loss. Uh, I, I have seen some improvement from South Florida. I'm kind of not surprised that they're they're winning some games around, but ECU is, is just a head scratcher to me. Now, is that their only r- road game that they've played in their first four? That's correct. So the, the three wins have all been at home. And that's where I think, as I mentioned before, they're another team that's built around a defensive identity. They're not built to blow you out. They're going to grind out the game. They're going to s- try and score as efficiently as possible. But you know, when you're on the road, you can't necessarily depend on that. The good news is defense travels, but if it's a low scoring game, that's going to give Wichita state that many more opportunities. The Bearcats are averaging
0: 74.7 points per game and allowing 60.3 points per game. They shoot it 48% from the field and 36% from three. Their guard, he was on the team last year, Jaron Cumberland. He's been their go-to guy this year. They have some other you know, people who contributed, Kane Broom and a few of those other guys, but they also lost a lot with Gary Clark and, and some of those folks leaving.
2: Jaron Cumberland is Absolutely a player that I I really enjoyed watching. He's very much a prototypical Greg Marshall type player. He's tough. He's physical. He can score the basketball in a multitude of ways. He can shoot it from the outside. He can get the ball inside on you and use his physicality to score. So I think that he's going to be a real key to the game. What is interesting is I think he's a guy that matches up very well with Dexter Dennis. I think Dexter Dennis has the same sort of size and skill set that Jerome Cumberland has. So I'm thinking if you're like projecting to the future, it'd be kind of interesting to see those two players match up against each other because I think where Cumberland is at right now is where I would expect to see Dexter Dennis in a year or two.
0: Yeah, he, uh, Cumberland's a junior, so here in two years, or, or maybe even sooner, you've seen the flashes from Dexter, particularly here over these last few games. Bearcats average 7.4 steals per game and 4.9 blocks, so uh, just like UCF, a team that is going to want to have a defensive identity and take care of things on the defensive side first.
2: Yeah, but I won't see them run the ball. So they'll try and control it. They'll block shots, but uh, I really don't see them uh, trying to get out and score quickly on Wichita State.
0: Let's make some predictions. On Wednesday, UCF coming to town. What do you think?
2: Oh, gosh, you got to make me do predictions. I hadn't even considered that. I think it's going to be lower scoring. UCF's on the road. Uh, I'm going to say UCF wins that one 68-64. to 64.
0: I agree with you. I do think it's going to be low scoring. I also think the Shockers will win one out of these two games this week, but it will not be UCF. Give me UCF 65, Wichita State 62. I think it's a close game. comes down to the end. Moving on, Saturday, Cincinnati. What are your thoughts there?
2: I think that's got the big hype matchup. Cincinnati at home on CBS. I think the crowd's going to be good I think Wichita State actually can pull this one out. I'm going to go Marcus McDuffie, three-pointer to win the game, 71 to 70.
0: I like that. I like I like where that sounds. I think it is going to be a game played in the low 70s. I will say the Shockers win by three. We'll go 74 71. Now it's time for buy or sell. This is usually your you know baby that you have, and so now
2: so does that mean I got to answer my own buy or sell? I guess, I guess so. That, I guess that's what it means. All right, so. Right now is the big thing that Wichita State has to get over as far as uh, getting into the win column is that they need effort, better effort for a full 40 minutes. Buy or sell?
0: I'm going to buy that. I mean, a lot of the mistakes, or as Taylor calls them, the atomic bombs that they've been making, a lot of that's mental. So I look back to the Temple game. You had two consecutive possessions where you come down in the second half and basically just threw it to the other team. So... Um, th- these are all learning experiences that these guys are having. Mark Adams said when we talked to him, there is improvement. So uh, it-, it might not seem like it now, particularly in a four-game winning streak, but they are. this is going to help them in the long run, this little bit of adversity that they've had. So I, I think if th- it's more of a mental thing as far as how do I go out and play 40 minutes of consistent basketball, and I think each of the players have to ask themselves that individually and hopefully as a collective that gets better.
2: Yeah, so I'm gonna sell this one. Uh, I think that really the effort has been there, particularly from the young guys. They're they're bought in. You see it on defense, particularly in the Houston game. They're really putting everything they can into it. It's just the inexperience, you know. You see the the mistakes that are made. It's it's not that they're not putting in everything they got to the game. They're just, you know, they they don't have somebody to lean on that, that really has that experience to control the game like they've had in the past. With a, a Fred Van Vliet or a Landry Shamit that can just bring it under control. I think McDuffie would love to be that guy, but I think that he's just not a ball-dominant type of player to do that. He's he's going to play off the ball, which when he does, he's going to do what he did against Houston, score 22 points, and be very efficient doing it. And that's what you want what McDuffie doing.
0: Well, and some of this can be that they're trying too hard. So they know the the history of the program. They know how much the fans want to win, they and they're putting too much pressure on themselves. And, and that's why in late game situations, maybe not working out how we've wanted it to be
2: so buy or sell point guard is the one missing ingredient a true point guard on this team is the one missing ingredient they have personnel wise will oh,
0: 100% by that. Uh, you know, we, when we talked to Mark, he said Samaji's been playing point, he's been playing off guard, been doing all sorts of things, and, and he's really just not a natural point guard. When we look at Ricky Torres, I think you'd hope he'd maybe lock that position down a little bit more, but uh, at least from an offensive standpoint, has has been a struggle this year. And, you know, Greg Marshall's system, the offense looks a lot better when you have someone at the top running things who knows what needs to be done, who knows how to space the guys out on the court, who knows where he wants them to be. It's not that these guys who were great scorers in high school all of a sudden got to college and forgot how to score the basketball. So the
2: talent's there. I think it's running the system the way it's supposed to be run, which right now I'm not sure if that's happening. Yeah, I'm going to buy that as well. I think if you look at the assist numbers across the team, uh, it's gone down considerably, and you're not getting nearly as many assists as you have in prior seasons, particularly from the point guard position. And I think that that's something that, like you said, the system is predicated on a, a point guard that runs teams. So it's not necessarily the position that will always get the assists but if they're moving the ball if the system is working you're always going to get some high quality looks and get assists across the board and i think that's indicative of just needing a true point guard that can lead this team
0: all right coming next year got two of them on the way hopefully (laughs) hopefully
2: all right so buy or sell the step back three-pointer is the worst slash least efficient shot in college basketball I'm gonna sell it just because a long
0: two. I, I never understand why folks wanna wanna take the long two, uh, and you know if we're going from a, just a straight efficiency standpoint, I, I would I'd say the long two's in.
2: Yeah, I I don't get the step back three pointer. You know, I we see it a lot uh, right now, particularly with Wichita State. Yeah, we see a lot of guys trying to do the step back three pointer. I just I don't see it. Uh, If you're going to try something like that, I'd rather see you just catch and jab step or something along those lines to get a defender to move backwards. But the whole jumping back, resetting your feet... Trying to shoot forward while your momentum's going backwards just seems so counterintuitive to me. I'd rather see them shoot along, too, at this point in time. It just seems so inefficient. And I'm sure somebody has statistics on it, but, you know, I watch it, and every time I see a step-back three-pointer, I just die a little inside. <laughs> well, and we've seen it more because the Shockers
0: seem like they're playing more one-on-one ball which goes back to maybe the point guard position and needing to run the offense better. But Greg Marshall coached teams, they've never had a player who's gonna average, you know, some big number in the twenties as far as points per game because the system naturally spreads it around and works it around to everyone. Whereas this year, you know, you see McDuffie hovering right around twenty points. Well that's cause a lot of times he's just gotta at the end of a shot clock break things down on go on his own. So I, I think naturally over time that that will start to get better as we
2: build the depth back in the program. All right, and buy or sell outside of transition defense. The Wichita State defense has dramatically improved over the course of the season.
0: I'll buy that. I, you know, particularly if you compare it to last year's group, I think this year, um, you know, they can't shoot the ball as well certainly, but they do have a little bit more of a commitment on the defensive end. They have better athletes. Uh, at least one through five uh, out there last year you had some times where you know maybe two out of the five guys were, were offensive specialists and, and weren't going to help you too much on the defensive end so you, I do think and, and they're young but I do think this team is recruiting more complete basketball players who can take care of business on both sides of the court or on both ends of
2: the court and that'll continue to improve. Yeah, I think definitely this team has improved significantly on defense, and you watch you know, what they can do in a half-court set when they're trying to muck things up. They certainly did it very well against Davidson. They did it against Houston uh, on the road, which I think is a big deal for this team moving forward, is that their defense can start to transition on the road. So it's a matter of keeping themselves in situations where their defense is gonna help them. So staying in half court spots, don't let a team get out and running you. I think as long as you do that, you're gonna be in a good spot. And we talked about all these young players starting to grow up and starting to improve. You know, something we we alluded to earlier is that, you know, a lot of times these freshmen on previous Wichita State teams would have been the third or fourth option offensively or defensively. They would not have been had this much asked of them Early on in their careers. So I think a lot of it has to be that, you know, a lot of these young guys are being scouted against by by really talented players who've been around for three and four years. And I think that there's just going to be some learning progress once once they get things figured out. I think the offensive end will start to come for a few of them.
0: You're a rock star producer, Brian. You know you got Taylor. Better watch out. We'll have Calling to get an a third bike here pretty soon. Yeah, that's great analysis. And wasn't even expecting to do that. So totally just, winging it. Exactly. I'm getting over
2: a cold. I apologize <laughs> for my nasally sound. Maybe I can edit that out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, big week for the Shockers this week, and if there's one thing I do want to see, it's that the continued support from those Shocker fans. I thought it was a fantastic crowd at Temple. I was surprised, you know, coming off a couple losses and folks maybe being a little down on the team. That that Temple game, the fans were packed in there, and it was rocking, it was loud, and they affected the game. And this week with UCF and with Cincinnati, that's what you hope. That's why, you know, we talk about how great of an experience it is inside of coca because we're still going to have 10,000 in the building, and, and we're going to bring it. And, and so hopefully that continues here even through this little bit of a rough patch they have.
2: Absolutely, and even considering the situation, you know, that they're struggling some this year, it's exciting to go to Wichita State basketball games when you get to see them play Cincinnati. You get to see them play Memphis and Temple. UConn like that's just a much more exciting environment to walk into every game and you don't know you know if it's win or lose but you know that with that crowd they're going to be behind the team and they're going to give them a chance to win. I remember, you know, back in the early 2000s when just worried about
0: a or, you know, five or ten shocker games going to be on TV, period. And now not only is every single game on TV, but this game on Saturday against Cincinnati nationally televised on CBS, uh, you know, coming into uh, the AFC and the NFC championship game weekend. So it's a big sports weekend for folks many people know i'm a huge chiefs fan was at arrowhead yesterday and and certainly wish them luck next weekend against the patriots so it'll be a big weekend you got saturday cincinnati and wichita state sunday watch football and hopefully next week we are celebrating the first
1: conference win for wichita
2: state rate us five stars